1: Johnny SD. Hey guys, it's Johnny, and welcome to episode 147 of the Travel Like a Boss po- podcast. I'm here today with Cat Quirculette. How do you say it? Cocolette. Cocolette. I like that name from catcoke.com. Thank you. So, you want to start off by telling everyone how we met and what you're doing here in Chiang Mai?
0: Sure. Um, I just got to Chiang Mai just about a week and a half ago. Um, I was here this time last year, just traveling through for a few days, fell in love with the city. And after I got back to the U.S., I learned about the digital nomad community here. And it was the perfect timing. My lease was about to expire in Kansas City. So I decided to spend a few months traveling around the U.S., wait till after Christmas, and then move here to Chiang Mai. I'm an illustrator and designer, by the way. <laughs>
1: Very cool. So what was life like in was it Kansas City, Missouri? or
0: Kansas City, Missouri.
1: Is there more than one Kansas City?
0: Yeah, you know, it's the city straddles both states. Mm-hmm. So there's the Kansas side and the Missouri side. I was actually born and raised on the Kansas side, and then my uh, career started on the Missouri side.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it made that giant move across state borders. <laughs> it was
0: groundbreaking.
1: Did it actually feel like a big move? Because when I moved from Northern California to Southern, it felt like the biggest move in the world. Really? And now that I'm moving countries like every other month, it, does, <laughs> it, it's, it seems silly in retrospect.
0: Uh, this move was a little bit bigger than that across state boundary move, but... Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I I love that city. It's great. And I, you know, I got my career started there. Um, I was just ready to kind of pick up and start something completely different.
1: Okay. And was it, I mean, growing up in, I, I would imagine Kansas City is a small town. Did it Did it feel like there's a lot of the entrepreneur spirit around? Or I guess even, even recently when you've been working, were there a lot of other, I don't say digital nomads, because I'm, I'm just going to assume there wasn't. But what was that like compared to you know, I guess being out here
0: now—it's. Um, I mean, there's a huge entrepreneurial community in Kansas City, and there's a really tight knit design community as well. So, you know, it was hard to leave that design community and try something totally different. But um, one of my big passions in life is traveling and trying new experiences. So, this idea of living as a you know digital nomad had so much more appeal. you know. Instead of signing a year's lease somewhere, I could just pick up and move whenever I'm ready to try a new place. So that was kind of the main appeal for getting involved in the Chiang Mai community. Um, and then also just meeting a lot of other like-minded people um, that love travel, they work for themselves, they freelance. Um, it's just been really eye-opening and refreshing.
1: That's really cool. I think recently, at least online, definitely not in person, but the, the word digital nomad has gotten <laughs> a, a bad... Like connotation to it
0: Location independent
1: Yeah what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that Did you experience anything like that
0: Um. You know It's just a term It's It kind of has this Some people think it Is a little pretentious But it's I mean it just It describes what we do Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's fine Like it's all about Down to the, the person that you Right, know, right? Uh, So when you came to Chiang Mai Did you already know people Or
0: did you just kind of show up I knew no one um, So I got involved On the uh, Facebook groups Chiang Mai Digital Nomads uh, The ladies group as well um and started you know reading those posts seeing people what people were talking about um i found my roommate through uh one of those as well so now i live in a house with three other roommates which is pretty cool um and there's the other thing that's pretty cool about living in chiang mai now is there's so many events and get togethers happening every single day that i feel like i'm already getting so integrated in the community here
1: that's super cool uh word of advice to everyone at home do not go on the Chiang Mai Digital Nomads Facebook group unless you have thick skin uh, or <laughs> unless you're planning on coming anyways and you can kind of weed through it because there is, uh, just very recently, there's been a lot of negativity on there, uh, but I guarantee you when you come here and you meet people in person, people are very, very nice and very helpful in person.
0: They are nice in person.
1: Yeah. So I'm glad that you had a good experience and you met some, some cool people through that.
0: Yeah, it's been great.
1: Yeah, and the girls group is that Chiang Mai Digital Nomad Girls or it's, what
0: is uh, it? Yeah, I think I think that's the the group name. Yeah, that's great too. It's um it's a pretty supportive community. You know, it's a bunch of um, entrepreneur women or women that are you know living abroad and then working freelance. Uh, and it's you know it's just cool to have this supportive group of women together that are pretty like minded in their you know entrepreneurial and travel.
1: I think that's really cool because a few years ago, there were very few nomad girls or like female entrepreneurs that uh-huh. are traveling. And now it's it's huge. I mean, like how many people are in that group now?
0: Thousands, maybe. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's actually one of the other reasons why I came to Southeast Asia in the first place. I quit my job a little over a year and a half ago. Um, I knew that I wanted to spend about six weeks traveling. So I was looking for cheap places in the world to go. So that canceled out, you know, all of Europe. Um so I was looking you know, I was between Central America and Southeast Asia mm-hmm. and the reason I picked Asia specifically you know Thailand Vietnam was it's in comparison such a safe place for women to travel solo mm-hmm. and I haven't had any experiences where I felt out of my comfort zone or threatened it's been wonderful
1: Yeah Chiang Mai is definitely a very safe place to be especially for like a mid-sized city like even As a guy, like, just walk around. I never worry about getting pickpocketed or being in a bad situation. Sure. Unfortunately, everywhere in the world, there's going to be bad people. So you always have to kind of keep your eye out. I would say in Chiang Mai, you can almost, like, before... Before midnight, you can almost just walk around with money in your hand and like nobody's going to do anything.
0: You know, my dad says um, in high school, Catherine, what things happen after midnight? And the response is bad things happen after midnight, dad. (laughs) It's
1: good that you have that ingrained.
0: I know. So Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not saying like, you know, if you go out past midnight, people people do like chances are everything's fine. But if it's like three or four a.m. and you're passed out drunk and you have your money in your hand, and you <laughs> get to some strangers, you know, talk talk or taxi and go, you know, like bad things happen anywhere in the world. So I, I do encourage everyone to have a little bit of, I don't know, I guess, self-awareness. Sure. Uh, regardless of where you go in the world. But Chiang Mai is very, very safe. So I am happy that that's here. Definitely. I just checked the group, uh, Chiang Mai Nomad Girls, and it has almost 2,000 members now. Mm-hmm and this year for the first year ever the nomad summit has more fem- female speakers than male that's awesome and that wasn't by like on purpose at all We'd, like, we like i honestly didn't even count like you know how many guys or how many girls we have
0: mm-hmm.
1: i actually remember like when i was when i first sent out the the application kind of request saying like who wants to speak this year i thought you know it would be it would be great you know like if we had at least one female speaker like i actually remember thinking that specifically and how many do we have i think we have i think 5 out of it the eight are female which is cool yeah yeah. so thank you for being doing your your part in uh, the nomad (laughs) world
0: I just bought my ticket a few days ago everybody buy tickets
1: (laughs) nomadsummit.com guys Uh, if you guys are in Chiang Mai but honestly it's it's a good reason to come out here Uh, so how, what are your, your plans? Like how, how much longer are you planning on staying in Chiang Mai and where do you want to go after?
0: You know, I'm not quite sure. I'm just kind of playing it by ear. Um, I'll be here for about, my lease is about a month. Mm-hmm. So definitely here for a month. Um, I might head down to Bali during burning season, um, just to try something new for a little bit, maybe come back, maybe try something else. It's just kind of a, this whole, you know, leaving the US and trying something new. It's just whenever I'm ready to go home, I guess I'll go home, which the people I've talked to about this have said, oh, you'll never go home. So we'll see.
1: You know, I, I originally came for three weeks and it's been <laughs> years and years. So I think people would, I mean, I'm sure there's some people that just go home forever, but most people, they'll go home for a few months and they'll be like, you know what? I, I miss Jenglar, I miss traveling or I miss, miss the freedom. So sure. people and it's always great come to have that
0: flexibility as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. I, I definitely agree. So people who are wondering what burning season is, it is the rice field burning season happens approximately end of February until middle of April. So normally it ends a few days before the Songkran holiday, which is April 13th. Uh, so most people come back around April 10th, and people start leaving kind of mid to end of February. So February 15th, the 28th, some people start start leaving. There's always going to be people in Chiang Mai still. Uh, I don't recommend anyone stay for the month of March, uh, but anytime before that, it's usually okay still.
0: Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah,
1: thank you. Uh, so what are you actually doing to support yourself online?
0: I'm an illustrator, uh, primarily um you know, I went to school for illustration and both graphic design. And um, I started my career as a graphic designer at a branding firm, loved my job, was there about four years. Um, but I started get, kind of dabbling in this world of commercial illustration and um, licensing. So I realized kind of getting into that 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 was a way that I could support myself through licensing my artwork I'm a watercolor painter and then I also do uh, digital illustrations so I work with various print-on-demand companies and print-on-demand is a site that you'll go to an example is called Society6 and you can an artist will upload a design or painting what what have you and it can be printed on you know phone cases t-shirts even art prints for your walls tapestries rugs, shower curtains like literally anything um so what happens is they have their own audience for these shops, these big print-on-demand shops. So people will go and want a new phone case, buy that, and then I get a kickback of royalties based on that. But me personally, I don't have to do anything except create the content and set prices. So they handle all fulfillment, customer support, um, distribution. It's all done by them, which is why I can you know take off for three weeks and hike in the jungle and then come back and things are still the same.
1: That is super cool.
0: It's, I feel incredibly lucky.
1: I don't think it's luck. I think you made your, your own fortune.
0: <laughs> it was I, good timing yeah. as well.
1: I think we are lucky that we grew up in this era where we have the internet. We have, you know, even laptops, we have these tools. So I think that we're definitely lucky. I think, you know, um the fact that you've like actually did the work to figure it out. I think that's, you know, that should be applauded. We were, I think it was a
0: lot of trial and error. Yeah,
1: I, I can imagine. And yeah. and that's why I, I'm so happy to have people like you on the podcast to share these different ways to make money online. Because I have the way I did it, but that's not going to apply to everyone. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that are like, I don't give a crap about, you know, e-commerce. I want to, I'm an artist, I want to design, mm-hmm. but I want to be able to travel, I want to be location-dependent, I want to be free. And, you know, by by you sharing how you're doing it, that's going to inspire the people. So well, that,
0: that's cool. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I want to do. You know, there, the more artists and designers that get involved in this industry, the better it is for everyone. You know, there's not this finite pie and everybody gets a little chunk of it. The more people they get involved, the bigger the pie gets.
1: So what, what do you mean? By, like, I, I love that mentality. I love the balance mentality. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of go into more about how why the pie gets bigger?
0: Sure. Um, you know, the more. um Artists, designers get involved, the more they talk about it and they share it with their own individual audiences, um, you know, social media, what have you. They drive more traffic to these individual sites like Society Six, Redbubble, Caseify. These are all just examples. Um, and so the bigger that these sites get, the bit, the better it is for everyone. So it, it is tough to make a name for yourself through print on demand sites just because there's so many artists participating. But you know it's it's one of those things where if you have uh, consistent great content and you're able to drive traffic at least initially, mm-hmm. it will pay off for you
1: that's cool so I just logged into society 6.com to see what what it, what it is and it looks pretty cool it's basically like a non crappy version <laughs> of all the print on-demand sites I've seen in the past because I think I've seen you know there, there's always been like the other I don't I don't know the names anymore but the ones where you can like upload a photo onto a t-shirt yeah and it always looks terrible
0: yeah, yeah. you know because
1: there's always some crappy image that you know that they you-
0: do a really good job they uh they're based out of la uh they've got a great photography team they go out and you know shoot their fashion on the street that's all um you know artists created and they do a great job supporting their artist community as well so you know having you know a, i don't know half a million social media followers so every time they post you know a piece of artwork that one of their artists on their site put together you're they'll tag back to the artist and your followers will grow. So it's this really beneficial relationship.
1: I think that's cool. And I think it's one of those things where it really does illustrate that you have to have good quality work. You know, I think the medium is one thing and I'm glad that there's mediums like this. But Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it, the medium only matters so much if the art sucks. And you know, know, art is subjective, right? So it could suck to me, but it could be good to someone else. But it's one of those things where the product has to look good there has to be like a, like people actually want the product
0: right and, and th- that's how you grow yeah. and any artist can submit any sort of work as, as long as it's not copyright infringement to these sites but the um, the pieces that they'll share and really heavily promote are, are the great pieces
1: yeah I, I can definitely see that so I guess you know if you're an artist, there's there's almost no reason not to try this, right? Because you can make a
0: living. Um, there's one thing I would advise for any um, print on demand or licensing relationship you get into as an artist or designer is just to read that contract really carefully. Um, I make sure I get into only non-exclusive agreements, and that way I can upload the same piece through a variety of different sites and sell it through different licensors, and I maintain the copyright to my piece at all times.
1: That's great advice. I, I, I'm almost assuming that the ones that you mentioned. They're good. They're good. Yeah. yeah, because not only have you gone through it yourself, but they probably wouldn't exist if they had that kind of you know scarcity mentality. They're like, you go work through us and nobody else.
0: And you know, I get approached by those all the time. And so, whenever um, like a new company will send me an email to see if I want to start selling my work through them, you know, my first question is always, "Will you offer a non-exclusive agreement?" And if not, I can't work with you right now. I'm sorry.
1: That's very smart uh, for the people that aren't artists. If you guys have. Let's say a course, by the way, like an online course, which I, th- I think you have some. So we can talk about that in a second. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of other places to you can sell your course to that's non-exclusive. So, for example, if you're selling a course on Udemy, you can also upload it to like Skillshare yeah. or one of these other sites. And you can sell it in multiple places. So that that's actually a great tip for the non-artists out there.
0: Right. Especially since each one of those sites has their own individual mm. audience. So why not cross-pollinate that a little bit?
1: Yeah, exactly. So you have some courses on Skillshare as well?
0: Yeah, I have one course. It's not quite live yet. Um, I think it'll be up by the end of the month. Um, it's a course that I filmed with Skillshare um, about how to make passive income as an artist and how you can, you know, for the first time ever, artists can like make a living for themselves and not be starving artists. Like you can do what I'm doing. You can travel around as long as you have, you know, pieces that you're putting out there and you're being successful with it. Um so yeah, my course through Skillshare is all about um different tips about how to kind of get into this this world of print on demand is primarily and then licensing a little bit as well. I mean they're kind of one in the same but print on demand sites are the widely known name for those. Um, but yeah, so I talk about um just Various tips, I go into like uploading, um, how I create my work, how I edit it to get online, things that I know that are going to sell well, maybe as a phone case or as an art print. So there's all these kind of nifty little tips that I picked up over the past few years of doing this. So now when I paint something, you know, I have this focus of, what am I painting this for? Is this something that people are actually going to want to purchase? Because that's, you know, that's my livelihood now.
1: That's really smart. Do you mind kind of sharing like how long to, to get started, like let's say making your first sale and then how long it take for you to get like a sustainable income where you can just live off of that?
0: Sure. Uh, my first month on Society6, I made $8 and I was pretty jazzed about that because um, I was like, oh my God, people actually want to buy my stuff. This is crazy. Um, and so fast forward about a year in, I was able to support myself entirely through just that one website and then within that year i started looking into more and more print on demands um and getting involved in those as well so now it's this my income is based off of you know a a variety of different print on demand sites and and licensors so uh yeah about a year before i was able to completely support myself and that's about the time when i left my job
1: that's really cool that's smart that you were doing this on the side to get (laughs) some passive income right because you get you know couple hundred bucks here and there Mm -hmm. while you're living in the u.s it's not enough to support you but it's you know nice extra money that you can put into a travel fund or whatever you want
0: and uh, honestly like the reason i started doing this on the side was i just wanted to have some extra money to go out with friends on the weekends so um you know having you know month two i had a 100 bucks come in i was like oh my god i can go out and have like a really nice dinner somewhere you know it's uh it was kind of unreal when it got to the point where i was like holy crap this paid my rent for this month um that's when it really started clicking that this could be a, a viable way to make a living
1: so what do you think were the the reasons why you went from making you know a couple hundred bucks a month to i, I assume over a thousand
0: yes okay. exposure um i and and the um the quantity of the work that I was putting out there as well. I generally do about one painting a night. Um, and so just being able to constantly be uploading new work every, every day um, really helped. And then I have um, my Instagram following helped as well. Cause I was able to drive people from Instagram cause I, I, you know, I was painting and had this, um, you know this passion for painting long before I started doing these print-on-demand sites. So already having that audience built up through Instagram helped drive traffic to those shops. And then you know when items start selling well from the traffic that I've driven there, the site itself will start will start to promote it as well.
1: And that's the exact same thing with <clears throat> pretty much every single platform out there. So this is gr- these are great tips for people that aren't artists and they're like, why am I listening to this? <laughs> because you, I, I guarantee, if you follow these same principles you'll be successful in pretty much whatever you do. So even for like Udemy, what I do for my courses is I drive a bunch of traffic there for the first couple of months, you know, either through my blog or my Instagram or my Twitter or whatever it is, my email list. And when Udemy starts seeing that outside traffic is buying that course, they start promoting it and that starts kind of just the whole ball rolling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's great because, you know, it's their incentive to help you out as well because if it's, you know, if it's a course that's going well, they want to promote that as well.
1: Yeah. And you've proven to them that people want to buy it. So, it, you know, pretty much zero risk for them. They know if they send traffic there, not only will people actually buy it, but then people will be happy with it.
0: Exactly. And that's kind of the, you know, the beauty of print on demand. It's literally print on demand. So they don't create a phone case until someone purchases it um, so that it's such zero risk for them. To, I mean, they, they handle, you know, returns come in every now and then, and they have to, you know, pay to host the website. But for the most part, it's um, a really, really risk-free, beneficial relationship. And, you know, even if you start selling your work through one of these sites and it doesn't go well, then you've just, I don't know, wasted some time, but you have no financial risk in that. Yeah. And you're just kind
1: of spending some time that you're like, okay, took a gamble. Looks like this new up-and-coming site doesn't have enough audience, or maybe my art doesn't resonate on, on this yeah, platform.
0: And that's just life. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's true, right? Yeah. I like that. So there was an episode of a TV, my favorite TV show called The Profit. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. It is amazing. It's kind of like Shark Tank. But <laughs> there's one entrepreneur, his name is Marcus Leomis, and he's the CEO of Camping World, which is the big camping um, supply store in the US. And what he does is he goes and finds businesses that are, you know, Failing basically, and he, mm-hmm. and he will go and buy like 50% of it and be 100% in charge and just kind of revamp it. And one of the things, one of the episodes, he t- I think he took over a I think they were sandals, I think they were sandals, um, and a uh, brand. And what they had was like very generic prints, you know, just like you know, the designs were just just blue or just green or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it had a really cool cause, it was something like. Every different, there's eight different charities, and depending on which one you bought, it was the money, like some of the money would go to that charity. Oh, that's really cool. So you can get the red one to support, you know, uh, AIDS or cancer or whatever it was. You can get the purple one to support this cause, whatever it was. Sure. And what he did was he wanted kind of more unique designs. So people would, you know, uh, oh no, sorry, it wasn't sandals, they were watches. Oh, cool. And he wanted to have cooler designs than just like this plain color. So he went on one of these outsourced kind of designed uh, websites. And I don't remember the name of it. So was it
0: 99designs?
1: It, it definitely was not 99designs. Uh, it was another one that has a passive income model built in. Okay. Which I think is really cool. Uh, and if you haven't heard of this, I think this is something you'd be good at. It's basically, instead of getting, let's say, $99 or even $300 for your design, you license... You that pattern or that design to that company man
0: the money is in licensing
1: and you get a world ro- like a pretty big royalty I was surprised when they said how much they got for it and I think it was something like two dollars per watch and it really adds up. It adds up like
0: crazy. Yeah, I, I do not. I, I rarely do flat fees. I prefer um, licensing with royalties 100% of the time. It's 99% of the time. I mean, every once in a while. But um, yeah, it just makes way more sense. And especially if you get hooked up with a company like that, that's going to be incredibly successful. Like you've hit the jackpot.
1: Yeah, because if they are, you know, I, like I actually didn't think it made sense at first because I'm like, why wouldn't you just pay a designer Let's say it's even a thousand dollars, you know, for this this print or this pattern, this one-time fee, and then you just have it, you know, for the you know for the rest of your your life or whatever it is, instead of paying a two-dollar royalty for each item. But I think from their point of view, first off, they had eight items. It was a new company; they didn't have any capital, <clears throat> and then maybe they want to change it, like after season or whatever it was. There's
0: always a, a risk involved if you don't take that flat fee right off the bat. And you know, it sounds really you know tempting, like two thousand dollars I could have right now, or you know, a hundred a month, maybe until it becomes less popular, like what's the better option. So it is a case by case basis, but um, for the most, like my general rule of thumb, what I've learned is royalties are always better.
1: Yeah. I-, I could definitely see that because it is that passive income aspect where in general, if something's selling well, People don't really want to change it. They might end up adding like another line or another something else. Yeah, but they'll always keep the ones that are working.
0: You know, it's crazy. Um, my bestseller, when I you know got started with this, is still my bestseller now, and it's been you know like, I don't know three years in, and it's crazy. It's I kind of thought that that would hit its apex at some point and then start coming back down, but it's and that I mean that's true with a lot of my work. So it's like the longer something's out there, the more popular it is. I'm still waiting for. Um, you know some of these trends to die down, but you know that it kind of they they keep going for a substantial amount of time.
1: Yeah. So if you were to <clears throat> just take a break, like how, how how much like how many weeks do you think you can go and just without uploading any more designs before it would just dry up and you'd have to go back and just work again?
0: Sanity wise or financially?
1: <laughs> oh, I guess both. I, I, never, I never thought of that.
0: Um, financially, I mean, as long as these these you know, relationships are still going strong. Uh, I mean, I, I have to continue creating new work because new new things become popular and I want to, you know, fulfill that demand. But, uh, I mean, judging by the last two years, I, I guess I wouldn't have to do anything. Um, it just, you know, those paychecks just keep coming in because of the work that I've already put out there. Um, and now it's new work that I put out there, it just increases. So, I mean, I guess things would be pretty stagnant, but that's a stagnant in a good way that would still support me.
1: That's that's amazing. That I really is. <laughs> and you know, like how many artists out there, and I hope artists will listen to this episode and not just entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs, I think, have a different mindset. I think there's a lot of artists that don't realize that this is possible.
0: But, you know, that comes to the caveat. It's, you know, the risk with the print-on-demand site is you do have no control. Like one of these sites, Society6, I mean, it could shut down tomorrow and they have, you know, no responsibility to tell me anything. They could drop me as an artist for whatever reason. So, you know, you do have that lack of control. It's not, it's not income that I'm completely in charge of. I'm relying on these other companies to continue selling my work um, and staying open. So.
1: Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. But I also think that first off, like if, as long as they're profitable, there's no reason for them to, to drop you or to shut down. And because you have a non-exclusive agreement, you can always move that somewhere else. Exactly. So knowing that you know, you have let's say twenty items that sell well every month. Mm-hmm. You can always actually just, you know, start uh, printing those yourself. I mean, and I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah do I you? have.
0: I have an, an online shop as well, which um, is being run by my awesome sister in law back in <laughs> Kansas City. So she has my printer and all my Etsy access. So she's been fulfilling orders from that.
1: See, so you're, on, you're you are a true to life <laughs> entrepreneur. That's really cool. <laughs> well, how like yeah, how did you even kind of start thinking of this because I would imagine most artists are, you know, they're thinking about, their just like the creative aspects. They're not really thinking about the business aspects. How did this all kind of turn on to you?
0: Uh, I'm really 50-50 on that. The entrepreneurial side and the business aspects are so fun to, you know, it's, you know, thinking of new strategies. How am I going to market myself better? Like, I love that aspect. And I also love the creative aspect of just purely sitting down, painting and creating new work. So having um, that love of both, I think, has also helped me get to where I am now. Um, you definitely, I mean, if, if you're just an artist and you, you aren't interested in the whole business side of it, which a lot of people aren't, and that's totally cool. Um, that's still okay. It just, you'll be way more successful if you have an interest in, um, you know, negotiating deals, you know, asking for higher royalty rates, you know, you, what I've learned through the past few years of doing this is it's always better to ask for something and just see if they say yes or no. So they might say like, oh, okay, we offer a 10% royalty rate and I'd be like, oh, you know what? I'm only really comfortable with 25. Then we meet in the middle somewhere and it works out. So it's better to say something and ask than just stay silent about it. That
1: is very smart. I like that. Yeah. Good advice. So if somebody is like brand new, you know, what would your, your advice for them to be a starter would be?
0: um brand new as an illustrator designer just you know what? let i guess i guess we'd
1: be both right so like let's say you know you have you have interest in art you know you like you you're taking like your you're studying like this is beautiful this is something i want to do uh-huh. is there is there an, like a a path you know would it be going to school for it or would it be like taking an online course well let's talk about that aspect first
0: okay um i went to school for illustration and my other major was graphic design as well so that completely helped but you know my illustration program in school was wasn't focused on licensing and royalties and print like this world of print on demand. Um that's something I just kind of learned as I got into it. Um I follow a lot of um, designers and illustrators. I subscribe to fashion blogs. like I see new trends that are happening in the market and I see what other people like me are doing. Um, so that's that's helped a lot um, just being aware of what's going on in my market. Okay,
1: I like that. And then if someone already is an artist, you know they already have some work published or on, you know, at least on, like, on their blog or on their Instagram mm-hmm. or something, and they haven't yet made a dime from it, what would the first step be that you would advise?
0: Um, maybe consider why you haven't made any money from it. Are you marketing or getting involved in the wrong avenues? Like you said, um, some people, uh, their aesthetic might work really well with a website like Society6, but then others might, they might have another, you know, designed by humans, that audience might be more for them. So maybe kind of um, doing some research, figuring out who your audience is and where you need to be you know, selling your work. And um, I mean, I guess that's the main thing. You know, there's someone out there that's going to, you know, there's there's an audience for everyone.
1: So just kind of finding where that is. I like it. So I'm really happy that we now have two artists on the show the, f- the first interview we did was with Lauren Hom from episode one hundred forty two and she is a a typographer or a lettering
0: artist yeah lettering She's amazing
1: artist. so that was, well I told her you said that
0: Lauren I've never met you, but I love your work
1: <laughs> oh that's amazing uh, I, I'm sure you two would be really good friends because you guys have li- lived that exact same like lifestyle you guys are both traveling you guys are both nomads I think she's a little bit more based uh in the u s uh, where she, she Can travel full time she wants, but she actually just likes being in New York. So, right. But it is cool that she spent you know half a year on that remote year trip and just traveling around doing exactly what she's doing.
0: That can be so inspiring, just traveling around and seeing new things. I mean, I photograph everything I see when I'm traveling, and then I paint it later. So it's literally like traveling is is eating in my income. Yeah, and I bet
1: you, you know, I'm going to send your episode to her and tell her that she should put her stuff on Society Six as well. Okay, because I can see like. Her making another a whole another stream of income, yeah. just by listing her stuff there. Definitely, that's awesome. I like it. So, besides Society6, what were the other ones that you would you would recommend? or that you use?
0: Um, another one I use is called Redbubble, R E D okay. bubble. Um, and they're based out of Australia, I think. And it's funny, actually. My my number one like item that sells the best that from income on that website for me is stickers. Okay, which is crazy. You know, I make. I don't know fifty cents per every sticker sold, but they sell in just such massive quantities that um, it's you know it's not like oh art prints are selling really well, but I get a much higher rate. You know I can make between ten and thirty dollars on every art print, but it's just these massive amounts of stickers that are going out there, which is pretty cool.
1: Art- is it like a bunch of different people buying a bunch of different stickers or... is Yeah, it like- yeah. It's just like okay.
0: they have a huge audience so it's, uh, you know, different people buying a bunch of stickers. Okay.
1: Because I wonder if like one person would be like, oh, I want like 30 of <laughs> these
0: stickers. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I do like it. Yeah. That Okay, so... Whereas like Society6, I sell primarily art prints and uh-huh. home cases which have a higher royalty rate on them mm. um, but the quantity moves faster on smaller items so it's it's, you know, it's this balancing game.
1: That actually makes sense where like different platforms will kind of, you know, appeal to different audiences. Right. So some people might like society. 6 sounds like, you know, they maybe I don't know if it's because they promote their phone cases more or they have a better selection on there. And that's just what people kind of know them as.
0: I think it's, both. they kind of got started, um, you know, like, with phone, I mean, other items as well, but phone cases were their big hit and everybody went to that website for phone cases. And now they've opened up, had and have all these other products. But yeah, it's that's kind of their origin story and that is what they're known as.
1: Okay, I like it. So what is next for you? Like, what are your plans?
0: Oh man, um, I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, one of the main reasons why I wanted to come to Chiang Mai and kind of take a break from the US was I was kind of spending 95% of my time just on the business end um, working on reviewing contracts, responding to emails, um, getting new print-on-demand shops opened up, new licensing arrangements. And um, I I just got to a point where I was getting really burnt out with that and I hadn't painted anything in like a month and a half. So I kind of had this moment where I realized I needed to reevaluate, get my balance back back together with the creative side and the business side. So um, right now I'm focusing on just creating a bunch of new work. Um, So I've been, you know, I went to, there's a, art shop just down the road from where i live now i went i've already gone there twice and i've been here for like a week um but yeah it's so right now my focus is creating new work and just getting creatively inspired while i'm in this beautiful place
1: I like it. Have you seen that giant art shop like just around the corner on, on Hoikow Road here? That's the here? one. I, yeah, I, I love two well. stories,
0: you guys. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. So how do the prices actually compared to prices back it's in the U.S.?
0: Pretty cheap. Um, I mean, certain items, it's it's pretty similar. Like the um, the really nice paints, Windsor & Newton's, those are still um, expensive. But I brought my own, so I didn't have to buy any more of those. But like paper supplies, it's about a third of the price. So I'm really digging that.
1: Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. And so... As you're traveling around, are you traveling light or like, are you carrying a ton of art supplies? Like, how does that work?
0: Um, I came here traveling light. I just brought my paint with me. Um, and I figured, you know, everything else I can buy in Chiang Mai. Um, and I travel pretty light. I just have a backpack. So that's the, that's kind of the problem with settling down here for a month is I know I'm going to accumulate all this stuff that I, you know, I can't carry it with me. Um, so I'll probably have to ship some stuff home, but. Uh, my plan is to do a bunch of paintings, find some place to scan them in, in Chiang Mai, and then mail them back home. Okay,
1: so <clears throat> so I guess the way it would work is all you need is <clears throat> like your painting supplies, a big table, some paper, yeah. and then like what type of places will scan it in? Like, I,
0: like, oh, yeah. you know that's a good question. If anybody <coughs> if anybody has any advice, let me know. Um, I haven't found that. I, I just need a, I need to find someone with a scanner where I can scan it. You know, fourteen hundred DPI. So not your everyday Kinkos.
1: Okay, you know I'm I'm sure it exists somewhere. Chiang Mai has a pr- pretty thriving art scene. Yeah. Uh, I know Lauren she said that she travels with like, travels with like a portable scanner. But oh, I, okay. I think your your pieces are like physically bigger. So
0: yeah, they're pretty big. If I did that, I'd have to. I mean, I already have to scan it in and multiple um, scans and then piece together in Photoshop. Yeah. So
1: have you seen like the scanner apps like on on your phone, the PDF scanner apps? No. They're actually pretty cool. Like yeah? I don't know how well that'll work for art. But for like documents,
0: yeah, what it to does
1: it is like instead of having the, the like it look clearly like a like a picture, uh-huh. you know, and where like everything's kind of crooked, you scan it and then it figures out the borders and then it actually like flattens it for you. Oh, cool! So just like technology is becoming amazing.
0: That's awesome. That'd be good just for you know signing contracts. So
1: yeah, there you go. Cool. I like it. So very cool. Uh, what travel plans, were you going after Shanghai?
0: um i'm going to probably head down to bali uh but i haven't figured anything out about where i'm staying or what i'm doing while i'm there i mean i guess i'm painting while i'm there but um i know literally nothing else about about it i just know it has a really thriving entrepreneur community so i want to get involved in that
1: yeah especially like i don't know like what type of entrepreneur community there i know it's a little bit different i know it's more like the creative type Uh uh-huh uh I haven't actually been there since I became a nomad. I went there maybe like five years ago when I was just traveling mm-hmm. and it was fun. Like I enjoyed it. Um, and the internet sucked back then. I heard it still sucks Man, at yeah, most spaces. Yeah. But the good news is there are now a bunch of co-working spaces and it's their job to have good internet. Right. So as long as you join a co-working space, like you're guaranteed decent internet
0: that's good advice
1: but if you're just working out of your hotel it might suck
0: okay that's definitely something to keep in mind yeah
1: so i don't think i actually mentioned anyone yet but i think i'm going to bali as well
0: let's meet up let's
1: do it so i think i'll be there end of february like probably like march 1st oh cool i'll I'll head down probably for a month with my buddy chris and it was completely his idea i actually wanted to go spend like a month skiing
0: I can't and do that in Bali.
1: I can't do that in Bali. <laughs> and he kind of convinced me. He's like, Johnny, I, I don't think you're going to like skiing. Cause in my mind, we we're going to like, you know, like ski all day. And then we're going like to sit by our fire at night and just like tell stories. And, He kind of gave me the reality check. He's like, You're you're going to be so exhausted (laughs) that you're not going to be able to ski every day. There's like nobody that can ski seven days a week.
0: It's it's true. I was just skiing out in um, Colorado a couple months right before Christmas. And um, I was skiing with my boyfriend and one of my best friends, and she was uh, snowboarding. And she fell in front of me, and it was uh, it was just this really comedic fall, and I started laughing. And then I found out she broke two ribs. And I was like, oh, God, I'm the worst friend ever. She's actually yeah. coming out to Chiang Mai in a few weeks to do uh, – she wants to do climbing, but we'll see how her ribs are feeling.
1: Oh, cool. Well, we can poke fun at her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, yeah, he was like, yeah, Johnny, you hate the cold, so you might not like it. Yeah. And so what we're going to do is we're going to spend a month in Bali, and then we – might try to like squeeze in some last minute skiing on our way back to Europe when like kind of right before spring. Where would you go? Uh, So at first I wanted to go to Poland,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I, I don't know. I, I kind of heard like, I like I love Poland as a country, but I've heard the skiing there isn't very good. And it's actually, there's no real reason to go there. So <laughs> I I was thinking about going to uh, So in Bulgaria, it, which is next to Sofia. And the benefits of that is first they have their, a co-working space now called Co-Working Bankso. Oh, awesome. And it's, I think it's the first co-working ski resort kind of place. You know, it's, it's not like, it's not completely connected, but it's like, you know, within 10 minutes or something. Yeah. So it's the first kind of like community of skiers and nomads, which I think is cool to support that. And also, Bokir is not part of the Schengen area. So if you want to stay for more than, if you want to stay in Europe for more than three months, the easiest way is to spend, you know, some time in, Outside of that Schengen area, and then you can have a full three months in Western Europe.
0: That sounds like a really cool plan.
1: So we'll see. Maybe, maybe uh, we'll meet in Bali after yeah. this, and we can meet in over That'd in, in awesome. the ski slopes. Yeah. yeah. This is why I like this community so much. <laughs> like, how, like, where in the world can you meet someone? Because me and Kat just met a couple of days ago at a friend's house, and we were just chatting. And she's like, and I was like, oh, what do you what do you do online? She's, she told me that she makes passive income th- through art, which I thought was cool. I wanted to share with you guys, and then. Now we're hanging out in Chiang Mai, and there's a very good chance so we're gonna be hanging out in Bali, and then maybe <laughs> even on ski slopes.
0: That's the seriously, that's the coolest part about this community. It's just you know, it's there's there's just so many opportunities like this. I mean, that sounds kind of cheesy, but you know, it's you people are just up for anything. It's great.
1: I think it's because like nobody has any responsibilities. <laughs> you know, we all work, so like don't like I don't want people thinking like you're gonna come here and just hang out all day because people work. But we have the freedom to not work if something comes up. Right. You know, and I think because most people, I I know there are people that, you know, still have like remote jobs where they have to be there certain hours. But I would say most people I know, they try to schedule it so they can work the hours they want. So, you know, whether it's, you know, like 10 a.m., Highland time to 7 p.m. or whatever it is, or take a break for a few days and then work on a weekend. They have that freedom.
0: Yeah, and um, that's that's one of my favorite things about this, um, like being self-employed. Um, like you know, for example, today woke up super early, went to a coffee shop, cranked out on all my emails, got that the boring stuff out of the way, um, and then took a break for a few hours, biked around, um, saw some cool stuff, got a smoothie, <laughs> just you know, um, and then I'll probably work until I don't know. 10 tonight just i mean my most creative time is in the late evening so just being able to set my own schedule has been amazing
1: I that what so what is your actual daily routine like what time do you normally wake up do you have like a morning ritual
0: um i have to have coffee first thing in the morning again i like to get all the stuff that i don't like doing out of the way so that i can have fun the rest of the day basically um and have fun you know by painting um so i get all the you know emails contracts um uploading to sites just that mundane kind of stuff out of the way first thing um with a nice cup of coffee and then i start thinking about what i want to paint um right now it's been a lot of like tropical florals i was hiking up um up north um a few weeks ago and took you know a million photos of orchids and plants ferns things like that so i'm kind of working through all of those and painting them um I love reading, so i whenever I'm kind of sick of staring at a computer screen or working on a painting, I'll you know take a break, read my book, go for a bike ride, things like that.
1: What book are you currently reading?
0: Um, I just finished one, and it's called The Nix, and I forgot the author. Hang on, it's on my phone. I can pull it up. Uh, it's really good. Um, I've been doing a lot of audiobooks too because of um, flying, mm-hmm. so it's a good it's a good one. Oh, and then I also. Do you guys remember reading the things they carried back in like high school or middle school? <laughs> if you're an American, uh, I read that when I was in Vietnam a few weeks ago, and it was it was interesting to hear the perspective of the Vietnam War while I was there.
1: That's cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, how does that differ from what your life was like when you were back in the U.S.?
0: It's very different. Um, back, well, when I had my full time job, um, I would you know work nine hours a day, come home, and then kind of recharge by painting. So, um, as I started becoming more successful through, you know, making a side income through painting, I realized I was working way too much, like 60 hours a week, um, just, you know, doing 40 hour full-time job. And then all this extra time trying to get my, um, you know, paintings and that passive income off the ground. So, in the last few months, I mean, my lease expired in August back in Kansas city. So since August, I've been traveling around the U S and staying, you know, shared rooms or shared houses, Airbnb's. Um, and just trying different cities out and seeing what I liked for some place where I'd actually want to live in the U S. Um, but this has been so different from that. I mean, it's, I'm doing the same thing. I'm, you know, I came to a new city, Chiang Mai to do art and painting and run my business, but it's so different here because there's this really great community of, of other, you know, location, independent entrepreneurs where in the U A, you know, going from Airbnb in Colorado and, you know, California, it was kind of lonely, I wasn't meeting a lot of people. I was just going to coffee shops, putting on my headphones, working, and then grabbing dinner somewhere and going home. It was... So here, It's there's. it's been great to meet so many people that are in... You know, it's not similar industries, but it's a similar mindset.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that. What was your last full-time job?
0: Um, I worked as a graphic designer at a branding firm in Kansas City. Um, I loved my job. It was really hard to, I mean, I, it was, it was time to go, but it was really hard because I loved the people I worked with. I loved the work I got to do, but, um, ultimately it just made more sense for me to, um, go off on my own. And then also, um, having unlimited vacation days is the best part of, I I, I can definitely see that. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: like, have you like sacrificed, I guess some, some of your annual income? Like, are you like, I guess the question is, with your online income, have you kind of outpaced what you're getting at that full-time job yet? I have. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Thanks. So that I think that's the dream, right? It's
0: the, it's the dream. It's, it feels pretty cool.
1: Because I think for most people, they're probably assuming, and, and I don't know how comfortable you are just saying how much money you're making a month now.
0: Not super comfortable. Okay,
1: but it's all right. But I think like most people when they first like listen to this podcast, they might be like, okay, you know what? It's cool that she's probably making enough to like scrape by in, you know, in Thailand. You know, which I think to a lot of people would be the dream anyways. You have free time, you can do whatever you want to do, you know, and that, and having those unlimited vacation days, you know, is worth it already. And they're like, you know what? I'm okay with taking a big pay cut from my nine to five salary. And
0: that's awesome. You know, more power to those people.
1: And I think that actually is a great first step anyways, right? That's almost kind of like, almost required to, as a first step, and then you'd be like, okay, now I have free time. Uh, I have these, you know, online income sources. Now let's scale it up. And the goal and the ultimate dream is to have both, you know, to be able to, you know, to make as much as you were making at your full-time job before or more, but while still having the benefits of this location dependent lifestyle.
0: Yeah. It's really, it's the best of both worlds right now. It's, I'm doing well financially and i'm able to support myself while also having this lifestyle where i can pick up and travel and go wherever i want so it's been i back to just feeling incredibly incredibly lucky
1: i love it uh any advice or any kind of like lessons learned that you want to just put out there
0: oh that's a good one let me think um Calculated risks is a big one. Um, you know, everyone thinks that being an entrepreneur means you you take all these big risks all the time to get. You know, the bigger the risk, the better the rewards. Which it's true to an extent, but you know, there's no reason to quit your full time job or just give everything up on a whim. Like you can make, you can do these little tests and make sure that you're going to, you know, be able to make a viable living for yourself. Um, so you know, now more than ever, uh, that's definitely without but that would be my best advice is just um take it slowly see what works and what doesn't work and then make an educated guess based off of all the information you can get first
1: i love it uh if you guys want to know more uh, about kat and kind of what she does she has an excellent article that i've been skimming through called how i earn passive income as an artist and it is a how-to guide for artists looking to boost their passive income and this it's a very long and very well written Thank so you. It's basically
0: the yeah. um, the notes for the video I did with Skillshare. <laughs> so. <laughs> you know I made an outline for that and then I was like you know what just in case I come off cross as a total idiot in that in that tutorial because it's being edited right now and I haven't mm. even seen it um, I was like I'll just have a backup blog post so you can read it or wait until the tutorial comes out and watch it so oh and it's on my website www.catcoke which is c-a-t-c-o-q dot com
1: yep and we'll have a link to that in the show notes uh, this is episode what was it 147 uh, you can go to like com slash i don't know just look for episode 147 <laughs> and we'll have a link to all of cat's stuff uh to her instagram which is what
0: c-a-t-c-o-q
1: oh easy yeah. all right uh no one could, can
0: spell cocolette so it's just
1: I, and turns out johnny can't pronounce it so <laughs> <laughs> even though we had rehearsed it beforehand I, I think a lot of my guests probably like are you just like pulling people off the street that you've never spoken to before <laughs> no, like what's your name it's a really challenging
0: it's a really challenging name
1: yeah but great name uh great site uh great life like it it really is and and like i i really am glad that you you know came and just you shared all this and even just this this post i really think that if anyone's an artist you know this i mean just reading this blog post i think it'll give everyone the tools that they need
0: well great Yeah. yeah i hope um i hope i can inspire other artists to you know fulfill their dreams as well
1: i love it so hopefully we'll meet some of you guys out here in chiang mai kat thank you so much for being on the show
0: thank you for having me
1: all right. And thank you guys for taking the time to leave all these amazing five-star reviews of the podcast. Uh, I just realized that I've been reading the same one a couple of weeks in a row. So thank you, Molly, Fiona, for, for that. Uh, but let's read some new ones that came out just a few days ago. We have one by Patrick Alveria. Uh, Learn how to make an online business for real, five stars. I've been listening to Johnny's podcast for a few months. Before I felt like I would be stuck being an employee forever now I'm backpacking Australia and slowly growing an eBay business in a few months I'll be in Thailand with some money so I can work on creating an online income full time thank you so much Johnny it changed my life thank you Patrick and thank you for everyone who has left all these great reviews and thank you Kat thank you so I'll see all you guys next week bye bye thank you for listening to the travel like a boss podcast if you want to hear more including the bonus how to choose the perfect niche episode Join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.